the Libertarian Party of Colorado and the GOP of Colorado have entered into a historic first. We're going to talk about that. Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, hey there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host, joining you live from our BNC studios here in lovely Eastern Indiana, and we're going to hop, skip, and jump a few states to my west to go ahead and talk about some happenings with the LP of Colorado and the GOP of Colorado entering into, yes, a historical first. What is that? An agreement that the LP will not run, quote-unquote, spoiler candidates when the GOP actually goes through and runs uh, some liberty-oriented candidates. So to discuss that today, from the LP's uh, Colorado lo- uh, Colorado headquarters, shall I say, Jordan Marinovich, thank you for joining us here on The Brian Nichols Show. How you doing? Good, good. How are you, Brian? Doing good. Thanks for joining us. And uh, Jordan, do us a favor. Introduce yourself here to the Brian Nichols Show audience and uh, all what's going on over there at the LP of Colorado. Yeah, thank you so much, Brian, for having us on. Uh, so as you said, I, I am the communications director here for the LP of Colorado. And uh, yeah, we've been just shaking things up here in the state of Colorado. We just had our convention earlier this year where we renewed a lot of the board positions um, and we're, we're rocking and rolling here in the state, making waves, uh, bringing in uh, some new, fresh energy into the party uh, following the Reno takeover two years ago. Uh, so we've got a fully solidified board and uh, we're really focused on some new efforts. Uh, internally, we're doing a lot of things to get organized and have some uh, workflow processes. Uh, uh, if anyone's familiar with L10, uh, traction method. We're, we're utilizing that to get uh, organized internally, but externally, we've had a lot of uh, focus and change on things such as our uh, social media presence, specifically on Twitter with the takeover from Elon Musk. We really see an opportunity there. So uh, just all around, just a big refresh here in Colorado, uh, following some big changes in the party as a whole. And then, of course, the naysayers, right? Uh, which which leads us to today's conversation because over on Twitter, if you talk to uh, some of the larger L libertarians um, from more or less yesteryear, they are throwing a hissy fit that how dare the LP of Colorado enter into this agreement with the enemy, the GOP of Colorado. Now, for anybody who's listening here to The Brian Nichols Show, I'm obviously saying this very tongue-in-cheek. I think this is absolutely the right way for us to actually make some political hay. But uh, do us a favor. Give us some context. What is this agreement? How did this come to be? And maybe a little historical context of how we got here. Yeah, definitely. I'll start I'll start from the beginning, and we can work our way there quickly. So uh, during that first convention where we partially took over uh, right before Reno and sending our own candidates to national to do the, the, the national takeover, uh, we had our convention in which it was it was sort of split where we got most control with the Mises caucus, but we that was an electoral year. So uh, previously in the LP, we had what was called placeholder candidates, right? So if anyone there's not really a rush for for LP candidates uh, to competing for a position. So really, if you lived in that district, you were eligible and you wanted to run on the LP ticket and you're a member of the party, just show up to the convention, say, I want to run for that seat. And it was kind of like rubber stamp, right? Might as well put them on the ballot. 
placeholder. Um, and, and there were some candidates that really, you know, had a campaign manager. They were raising funds. They were door knocking and they were actually trying to make a good, solid run at things as well. But, you know, about half of our candidates, you know, just put their name on it. So at least we were on the ballot. People can see us. And, you know, it's, it's a presence. Right. So we nominated uh, a man named Dan Ward for the CD8 position. Uh, he did not run a campaign. He he did. I think he went to one state fair and, and talked to a couple of folks. But in some of the interviews uh, post election, you know, he he was pretty much like a, a, a line holder candidate. Really didn't uh, uh, you know take it seriously, so to speak. And then woke up the next morning after election day and realized he almost got five percent of the vote <laughs> in CD eight. So um, that ended up being the deciding factor in that election because the Republican uh, candidate lost by, I think, less than a percent. And the prevailing thought is, is that the LP took those votes from the GOP. Uh, a little bit more context with Dan Ward is that he he really is no longer affiliated with us. He did not enjoy the takeover. He, he does not enjoy... Uh, the more Mises caucus type of thing that we're doing now. So he's not really even affiliated with the party anymore, which is, which is uh, kind of funny uh, t- twist of fate there. Uh, but he came from kind of a more left leaning, you know, the original party type of folks. So our, our thing was number one, we didn't run him as a spoiler because we didn't know he would do that. Well, he was just a line holder. And, you know, our pushback was to the GOP and the media was number one, he's more of a lefty. So who knows how many Democrat votes he got, how much of that was split. But two, he didn't even campaign and he got 5% of the vote. So you guys should have run a better candidate. If, if you really want to put the blame on anybody, you know, we spoiled the election. We weren't even trying. Uh, so that's kind of the context of what's led to where we are now. Similar to what we did two years ago, it seems that there has been a shakeup in the GOP Colorado party as well where Dave Williams is now the chairman and he's formerly with uh, young Americans for Liberty, uh, I believe. So from his, you know, from his perspective, he's more of that Liberty caucus type of, uh, of Republican. And uh, we were pushing back, you know, saying like, Hey, you, like I said, we didn't even run a guy. Like you didn't even campaign. Like your candidate sucked that much that, you know, we pulled 5% and we, we held the line, right? We, we were saying, you know, we're going to run candidates, um, no matter what. And, uh, you know, you guys are equally as bad, so it doesn't really matter to us. But when Dave got elected and we elected Hannah Goodman as our new chairman, they started to, to, to talk and, and Dave reached out and said, hey, look, you know, I, I want to reform this party. I want to make it want to shift it more to the libertarian p- uh, position. We plan on running candidates that you guys probably would agree with. Can we come to some type of agreement where if we run somebody you guys like, uh, will you guys, you know, not spoil, run a line holder or whatever the case may be? Um, and then, and then there were some more reciprocal things there, you know, it, so they're, they're agreeing to stay out of, uh, local elections that we want to run people in because from our strategy, that's where we feel like we want to start from the ground up, um, and get local and county elections, uh, under the libertarian banner. Uh, but that's really the context of it is that, you know, People were saying, oh, you guys bow the knee to the GOP. They came to us. They know that we have this power. Um, and, you know, from a pragmatist standpoint, pragmatically, 
um, it makes sense to use that leverage. Um, and, and I guess to put a bow on it completely is look at it from this perspective. Would you enjoy us as the Libertarian Party of Colorado blocking a Thomas Massey or a Rand Paul from coming out of Colorado and letting another Democrat come in who's going to be like all the other ones when when we could, you know, put our resources into another race that we could do well in um, and and let, so to speak, the, that Rand Paul or Massey come out of Colorado. So that's that's it. You know, it, it's a handshake agreement. It's, there's nothing written in blood. Uh, and we have contingency plans uh, to make sure that we hold their feet to the fire. Uh, but, you know, it's it's caused quite a ruckus. Yeah, it sure has. I, I've heard that it's the end of the Libertarian Party as we know it. If this is the way we're going to move forward. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, no, this is how we actually get like good people into office. To your point, do you want to keep the Rand Pauls, the Thomas Massey's, Justin Amash's out of, of Congress if they are, in fact, the, the actual like chance we have to get some libertarian leaning individuals from the GOP perspective into office. I think that just is a no brainer, right? Like that for me versus the alternative, which is basically shooing in more and more Democrats. Now, this is also part of the conversation I hear. Well, Jared Polis is like one of the most libertarian members out there, uh, you know, or libertarian governors. He was a great libertarian congressman back in the day. So uh, some of the more left-leaning libertarians say, and they always cite, well, he and Justin Amash are, are BFFs. And I say, well, you know, I like Justin Amash, but I think Justin's wrong here. So give us a little context in terms of this, this divisive uh I guess not really uh, nature that that's taken place in Colorado between Paulus and your your libertarian uh, party. But guess what? What's led to you deciding that this is the right path, in fact, for liberty to get more of the Masseys, to get more of the Pauls into office versus relying on Jared Paulus and his, uh, I guess, pseudo libertarian bona fides here? Yeah. So, you know, it all comes down to the fact that they know that that we won 5% without even trying. So in the, in the long run, if we run somebody that we want to put some money and, and influence behind, it's going to be trouble for them. Um, they know that. Um, and they see that we're only growing an in influence um, and an organization from a, for like what I was saying before, the board perspective. So our, our, this is only the beginning of our influence. And this is something that I've championed inside the party since, since getting involved a couple of years ago is, Let's leverage this spoiler effect. Uh, you know, we literally get to choose who gets into some of these races. So let's use it to our advantage as we build our credibility and move towards where we can outright win elections um, and move it to that point. So everyone outside of Colorado is going to have trouble kind of understanding this. But you got to Colorado is pretty solidly blue. Uh, yeah, you get a Bobart in, but, you know, it's because she loops down to Colorado Springs uh, over Pueblo and then Mountain West. Um, and that's really the only foothold that the Republicans have. And, and she won by 500 votes. So they are very, very on edge about their position here in Colorado. So all the incentive to work with us is in our favor. Um, and as far as polls is concerned, look, I understand that while he was in Congress, he was part of the Liberty, whatever, um, and and he was good friends with with Amash and things like that. That's not the politician that we know here in Colorado, at least mm -hmm. for the last three years. Um, 
you know, living here, uh, being under his mandates, uh, you know, walking into grocery stores and, and being harassed because of his mass mandates. I had to leave my former position uh, in my job because of a, of a vaccine mandate um, that was part and parcel pr- pressure from the government um, to institute these things. Um, he wiped clean, you know, any type of credibility he had as a libertarian for his actions during the COVID pandemic. So unless you lived under this guy as the governor, you don't know what you're talking about, all due respect. Yep. Um, so so that's why me as, as well, you know, heading up the Twitter account, we've really been hammering him anytime he claims to be libertarian. Like when he re when he won a re-election earlier this year, there was this libertarian, you know, Tory went on mayor, he went on Kennedy, you know, he went on all these shows and they all described him as this libertarian leading governor. He's the best libertarian ever. And, you know, we went to bat on Twitter and other places against that. And and I said at my uh, a speech at the convention, we decide the Libertarian Party of Colorado decides what's libertarian in Colorado, not anybody else. Yeah, I, I don't think folks in, in particularly red states understand how bad so many of these blue state governors really got during COVID. Once they were yeah. handed the keys they did not look back. They went forward, you know, pedal to the metal, petty tyrants, and it really destroyed any credibility, frankly, that they may have had, even to some of their their libertarian sensibilities. Now, I see Jared Paulus over on Twitter every now and then, you know, sharing a Frederick Hayek or a, a Murray Rothbard quote, but that alone does not equal good policy. Now, I've heard the argument, well, he he's now, you know, he's, he's limited by term limits, and maybe he was just trying to appease that Democratic base in order to, to win his reelection, and now he can sit back and actually be some, you know, some good libertarian policy bringing us to the table here. I, I, I'd call BS on that. Uh, Jordan, what are your thoughts? How many libertarians do you know, and how many of them waffle on principle based on the scenario virtually never we're an autistic level of (laughs) of of sticking to to our principles right so again like you know i understand pragmatism um you know if if it's like hey i have a democratic legislature uh you know i'm gonna i'm gonna veto more traffic light cameras i'm gonna veto gun bills but if, you know, something I, I, I get being, you know, the chief executive of a state, you have to work with what you got. But um, no, that doesn't that doesn't fly with me. If that's your if that's your if that's what you want to be, then be that. But don't call yourself a libertarian, because like I mentioned, you know, it's we we all know libertarians. And it's it, it, and that's and that's why I appreciate there's so much pushback from some people on our deal with the GOP. It's that same mentality of being so purist and that urge to be a very pure libertarian that is giving people a lot of of, of issues about this arrangement. But again, what people need to understand is, is that we have the power here. OK, um, they know that if we try we're going to call we're going to we're going to mess up their their stuff uh, even more um so there's really no incentive for them to to go back on this deal with us uh, but if they do we'll we'll do what we got to do yeah and we're going to talk about how you guys are holding their feet to the fire but 
This goes back also, before we get there, to, and I see a lot of folks from the CLC, the Classical Liberal Caucus, who those same people back in 2016 were preaching vote for principles, not parties, screaming to the members of the GOP to vote for Gary Johnson. Now we're like having the exact same conversation when it comes to actually voting for libertarian oriented candidates in the GOP on a principle standpoint. And, and where, where are they? Where, where has that mentality gone? It's completely hit the, the, uh, the, the, the trash can, I guess, in, in their mind, they hit empty recycle bin and it's gone forever. But, uh, let's go towards actually how we're, we're holding these GOP candidates, uh, feet to the fire, because that's definitely one of the concerns I've heard. And I think it's a legitimate yeah. concern saying, you know, yeah. how, how do we actually know that they are going to run as libertarian leaning candidates and then govern as libertarian leaning uh, representatives. So what what's the contingencies in, in play here for the LP to keep the uh, the GOP uh, to their word? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people had concerns about, well, the conventions and when they're nominated officially are so tight that, you know, once they nominate officially theirs, then how are you going to have time to do do your thing and everything like that? Let's let's be real here, especially for the two major parties. Those campaigns ramp up months in advance. Right. They're 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 trying to get that nomination way ahead of time. Uh, So there's there's lines of communication open um, so that we know ahead of time who who they plan on running for that. It's going to be very obvious. It's 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 kind of hard to keep that a secret uh, within the party. And again, if there's a bait and switch, then then what was like, what was this all for at the end of the day? We will have our contingencies. We will have folks lined up, ready to jump in uh, into races as, as we can. And like with the case with Dan Ward and, and CDA, he didn't even run. So, you know, the concern about us like ramping up a campaign and things like that, um, you know, if we have to scramble and and, you know, throw somebody into the race because we were duped by the GOP, then so be it. Bring it on. And uh, we're going to come back at you harder even the next cycle. So it's really it, it, the, back to libertarianism, the in- incentivizing humans to do to do the right thing. Right. Right. Through a free market type of thing. All the incentives are there um, to to stick to this deal and cooperate with us. And, um, you know, if, if everything, you know, we can think about all of, you know, what's bad and what could go wrong, but think about the upside. Think about if, if everything does go right with this and they do throw up a mass here, a Rand Paul, and then we can focus our resources on local elections and we can move, you know, uh, Colorado back to a more sensible thing. Um, this will be a smashing success if it goes to according to plan. And by the way, folks, if you want to get the GOP uh, side of this story, go ahead and check out Clint Russell's Liberty Lockdown podcast. He interviewed Dave Williams here uh, back, I think I was trying to look here uh, really quick, back in the 15th, so two days ago. So go ahead, check that episode out. And yeah, Dave Williams, he was a Young Americans for Liberty guy, much more in that liberty-leaning GOP mentality. So I'm I'm definitely on board for the vision and hopefully this all works out. Uh, but I know one major concern major objection I've heard from some folks is how does this impact Libertarian Party of Colorado's ballot access standing? Is there anything in, in terms of compromised issues here? Not that I, not that I'm aware of. Um, that's definitely something that that we're discussing internally to make sure that that's not an issue. Um, but it's not not a concern right at this moment. Uh, but you know that that obviously is going to take our legs out from underneath us if we allow that to happen. If we can't run for a certain race. 
um, then we have no leverage there. So it's not not in our best interest to to allow ballot access to slip away from us. Cool. All right, Jordan, we are getting towards the end of the episode. Uh, so what we like to do here is uh, we call it final thoughts. So I will kick things off. And, and my final thought for today is uh, yes, yes, this is the approach we need to take. And, and I know there are a lot of folks who listen to the show who are going to be, you know, just like screaming at their earbuds right now hearing me say this. I'm sorry. The reality is, though, and if you've been a longtime listener of The Brian Nichols Show, this should not be a surprise. But the reality is the GOP like without a doubt is easily more friendly towards the libertarian party than the the democratic party. That's just reality. And if we refuse to acknowledge that, then that's going to hurt us. So the fact that you guys in Colorado have acknowledged that, and now we're actually looking to build a strong foundation, which let's be real, right? Again, that's how you will have legitimate success. We go back years here in the show. We've been talking about, okay, you want to win uh, people's hearts and minds, well, you have to first win their trust. And how do you win their trust? Start running for those local uh, those local elections, school board, city council, mayor, county legislature, and then work up, build that bench, then go towards the state legislature. Then once you have some success there, then actually have a legitimate shot at running congressional candidates and Senate candidates. And yes, of course, presidential candidates, but do, do you just have somebody run for the presidential uh, nomination and expect they're going to win with a big L next to their name? Of course not. We have to get over 5% first. And the same thing is true for Senate and Congress. And the same thing is true for the state house. So let's get candidates who people actually look at and say, oh yeah, I know Jim Bob, the libertarian who ran for mayor of my, my hometown. He did a great job. I would love to see him as state representative X. And then once he is state representative X, then move him up the ranks. But again, if we have folks in office who are GOP next to their name and doing a great job as small L libertarians, then why would we want to kick them out? Why would you want to get rid of a Thomas Massey of a Rand Paul when by far they are easily the best libertarian uh, allies we have both in the Congress in in terms of the House and the Senate? It doesn't make sense from not only a, a strategic standpoint, but frankly, from an outcome standpoint, if the goal is to get liberty in our lifetimes and to progressively, progressively, uh, systematically move things more and more towards a libertarian lens, then this is the path forward. That's my final thoughts. Jordan, what do you have for us on your end? Uh, just go take a look. And we, we linked it on our Twitter account at LPCO, uh, a story from the former chair of the GOP here in Colorado. She is very upset about this. And so are some of the legacy uh, members of the LP here and nationally. Uh, So, you know, people who have done the same thing over and over again, uh, expecting different results are both on both sides of this uh, upset. So, you know, it was it's whatever within the party if we have some conflict. But to see the former chair representing kind of the status quo on their side, also upset by this agreement, kind of, you know, puts us uh, together at a good position um yeah check out lpco on twitter uh apart from what we're doing there we're we take a very uh strong-headed approach to to our messaging uh you know we we just live for these last three years we're not going to take it on the chin anymore we're not going to hold back we're not going to play these little pity patty patty cake games with folks anymore we're going to say things straight up how it is and um that's just a strategy we're going to move forward with whether people like it or not um, so keep an eye on Colorado. We're going to do what we can to keep the GOP to the uh, feet to fire. Yeah, there's a there's a lot that can go wrong. But as I said, imagine if this goes right. Imagine if this works, how how huge this is going to be not only for Colorado, but for the whole liberty movement. 
Jordan Marinovich. You're joining us here from the LP of Colorado. Where can folks go ahead, find you on social media, find the LP of Colorado on social media if they want to continue the conversation? Yeah, me personally, uh, I'm at King Libertarian on Twitter. And then uh, the LPCO, LPCO on on Twitter. We also have our uh, LinkedIn, or excuse me, not LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, uh, a Libertarian Party of Colorado, and lpcolorado.org to visit our website. Folks, if you got some value from today's episode, please do me a favor. Go ahead, give it a share. When you do, uh, please go ahead, tag yours truly here at B Nichols Liberty, and also go ahead and tag Jordan and the LP of Colorado as well. We'll make sure we include all those links in our show notes. And by the way, if you are joining us here on YouTube, well, hey, thanks for joining us. Do me a favor, hit that like button first, then hit that subscribe button second, and then do me a favor, go ahead and share the episode. And also, if you are joining us on the video version of the show, well, you also have alternative options like Rumble, but also Ben Swan's Sovereign. I'm a big fan of Sovereign, S-O-V-R-E-N. And if you are over there, you're going to see today's episode before anybody else does as a Sovereign exclusive. So go ahead, give us some love over on Sovereign, and also you can find us on uh, your your favorite podcasting platform, whether that's YouTube Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or elsewhere. Just go ahead, again, hit that subscribe button so we pop into your RSS feed every single week, three times a week. Uh, And speaking of which, we had a great conversation with Aiden Mattis here back on Monday. It was a great conversation where we discussed the conspiracy that is the Tartarian Mud Flood. Yes, Aiden has an amazing channel over here on YouTube called The Lore Lodge, so go ahead, give him some love as well. And uh, by the way, for today's episode, if you are joining us on YouTube, you're going to see a video pop up right about here. That's going to be Maya going through and uh, ripping apart Jared Polis as the most libertarian governor in the United States. Please, yes, I know Jordan's giving us a thumbs up there. If you guys want to go ahead and hear my case, continue the conversation over there. I will see you over there. Otherwise, uh, go ahead, make sure you tune in for our Friday episode with Kenny Cody as we continue our uh, weekly conversation, uh, usually talking all things deep state, Donald Trump, GOP, and all that fun stuff. So otherwise, folks, thank you for joining us. A great conversation here with Jordan. Again, please go ahead and support all the great work they are doing there over in Colorado. And if you have some feedback, well, guess what? We would love to hear about it. Go to the comments, let us know, or email me, brian at briannicholshow.com. Any final words for us, Jordan, before we wrap things up? No, I love Ben Swan. Good choice. Ben Swan's a great dude. All right, guys, thank you for joining us here on The Brian Nichols Show. That's being said, Brian Nichols signing off here for Jordan Marinovich from the LP of Colorado. We'll see you later. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com.